Hello, everybody. Are you glad to be here tonight? I hope you're ready to come alive. I know I want to come alive. I know that there is things in my life that need to be got rid of, you know, shackles that hold us down. Uh, well, it's interesting tonight. Uh, the subject matter found us. We didn't go looking for it. And I'll tell you what, if you want to know whether we practice what we preach this week, the subject matter we have been tested in uh, fully. And uh, I can say as a, uh, as a team, uh, as, a, as a house, um, we have been fully tried. And the subject matter is discouragement or when we get discouraged. I don't know whether you get that often we get discouraged because what we expected to be the outcome of things in our life don't quite measure up. It's not quite what we expected. And so we lose that sense of courage. And what happens, we sort of settle down to a very much, oh, what's the point? Why bother? Because things just haven't quite gone the way that we hope they would. And what's really interesting, when it comes to this whole business of getting discouraged, it's usually, if you go online and look at the word, it's always associated with failure and success. You know, it's like I tried, but it didn't work. So I end up discouraged. So what do we do? Well, we don't want to try again because I don't like how this felt. So we'll, instead of trying again, we'll just stay where we are. And of course, we end up building ourselves uh, a whole set of belief systems that reinforce why we should stay where we are because the idea of doing anything different is too scary. Now, I know that as a church, we have made decisions and we have trusted that the decisions that we made would lead to a particular outcome. And when they don't, you end up, what, what's the possibility to get discouraged? And you have to say, come on, uh, are we really believing uh, what we say we believe? And uh, find the courage to keep making the decisions to keep going and have the conviction to keep going. Now, it's really interesting, and we're going to look at it tonight, and Anthony will do a wonderful job, as he usually does, that we're going to look at actually the gravity uh, of being discouraged, because often we say, oh, well, that's just a, a fact of life. It's just what happens, and we say, oh, well, it's just one of those things. Now, it's interesting that we're, we're very uh, quick to say about somebody who is doing something that we know is harmful, and we'll tell them of the fatality or the, the gravity of the situation. A good example, you know, whatever you do, don't, uh, don't drink too much or you're going to hurt your liver. Or if somebody's smoking too much, stop smoking, you're going to hurt your lungs. It's not good for you. But if somebody is discouraged, we don't say, do you know what? You shouldn't be so discouraged because it's going to really hurt you. We just say, oh, well, it's okay. No, actually, the Bible gives us great information and warning about what happens to us, the gravity, if we don't sort out the, the, the issue of discouragement in our lives. So what we're wanting to bring you to tonight is that there is hope. You can make a decision that is higher than the place where you are because within you, there is courage. You are braver than you, uh, than you know you are. You are stronger than you know you are. And uh, you're, you're smarter in your mind. You can make decisions if you give yourself the chance to do that. So it's vital. And um, the next little clip that, that we're going to uh, watch, because I don't want to say things that I'm going to say, is, uh, is a wonderful place to start because 
As you watch this, it's a, a, a lovely clip of when people are facing or coming to the, uh, to the front or forward to do something and then there's a pause because uh, there's, a, there's a moment where we think, really, can I, should I, can I really do this? And then we see them taking a step back and you think, oh, they've lost, uh, they've lost heart. But then you'll see what happens in the clip because uh, they actually go for it. And it's really wonderfully encouraging. Now, we want to make sure that by the time you walk out of here tonight, that you've actually been encouraged. We want you to have courage rise up in your heart to be able to do things that you thought you could not do to make decisions higher than what you feel you're capable of and actually take steps and be brave to change the course of your life. So let's move on. All right, first of all, big shout out to Charlie Goodwin. Who, for two things, one, he just completed his sixth marathon. And uh, two, because he bothered to be here tonight, and that I think both both are equally wonderful, Charlie. Maybe one for you and one for me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Ah, uh, great. So, um, also, can I just say just a quick one here? We've been having a great uh, teaching conversation on Wednesday nights about where Jesus fits and uh, you're missing some good stuff if you've not seen it and not here. We're carrying on again on Wednesday night at 7.30. You're very welcome to be here. Okay, so, um, discouragement. The truth is we, we become discouraged when what we experience in life doesn't measure up against what we expected or believed it should be. Um, I find it fascinating, it's like hit me in the head with a brick, like fascinating, that uh, when, we were, when we were together on Tuesday, which is when we begin to look at what is it that we want to, to communicate on, on Sunday, um, we, we looked at this whole thing of discouragement and then uh, discouraged, and of course uh, Danny's slide that he put together is very interesting, and that's the, you know, hit me with a brick in the forehead moment. Because I find it fascinating that courage is at the centre of discouraged. And whatever we think discouragement is, the last thing most of us think it is, is a loss of courage. We think it's things that happen to us, we think it's disappointments, we, we, we think it's, we think it's uh, loss and lack and things that are done. But actually at the centre of the word discouraged is the word courage and really the problem when we are discouraged is not what has happened around us it's that somehow we have lost our courage and who would have ever thought that courage is the answer to being discouraged see the truth is courage is crucial to being a productive human being it's a vital ingredient and, you know, d depending on our personality, we, we can assess our courage level in various ways. But 
but we have to give ourselves a break and, and we have to at least be gentle on ourselves to realize that somewhere in there and somewhere down there and something in us is this thing called courage that somehow got crushed or taken away and we lost it. There, there's there's a, a chapter in, in the Bible, in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament that, that is talking about <coughs> this group of people, the children of Israel, who who they've already experienced some great stuff in their case. They had been slaves in the land of Egypt for 430 years and now they're not. It's a good thing. And they launched out on a journey, which again was a journey of life because they'd always been slaves to something else. But the problem is, as they set out on the journey, there's a lesson that creeps in. Let me just read you one verse from Numbers chapter 21. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. That's the problem. Once you're on the way, from somewhere to somewhere, the issue of becoming discouraged stands prominent for all of us. It's interesting that that word that translates to discouraged is also translated in another verse in, in another book called the book of Proverbs. And in Proverbs 23 verse 7, he says, For a man thinks as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. The word that's translated heart there is the same word that's translated soul in the verse that we just read. The soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. My point in this to you is that losing courage and being discouraged is not a circumstantial thing. It's a heart issue. It's something not that happens up here, it's something that happens in here, which is why whether you're in church or not in church, we have used the phrase, don't lose what? Don't lose heart. Why? Because we understand that the courage we need comes from the heart. And when our heart or our soul becomes discouraged, that's when we begin to faint. Being discouraged comes from an inner belief about my outer circumstances, not an imposed belief by my outer circumstances. It's the result of my interpretation of what I see measured against what I expected or belief. And now that discouragement is not being imposed upon me from outside, it's something that's rising up from the inside, so we've got to fix it where it's the problem. The chapter that I refer to uses wonderful graphic imagery to illustrate... The, uh, what happens when the soul becomes discouraged, which is not disappointment. Don't confuse discouragement with disappointment. We all get disappointments. That's when it just didn't pan out. You know, you went to the shop and they didn't have your brand of sauce. So. <laughs> Some of you will be saying, get a life and get a life. <laughs> So disappointment is just something that didn't turn up. Discouragement is much deeper. And, and the, the graphic illustration this chapter gives about it, which I can't give you the whole story, it, it, is it talks about the people being bitten by serpents. Now you say, what's the point of the narrative of the story, talking about being discouraged in the soul and then giving a story about the people getting bitten by snakes, by serpents? It's because it's trying to make the point that being discouraged is the same thing to you as it is getting bitten by a snake. 
It's like we get bit by a snake and when we become discouraged, the venom begins to seep through our whole system, our whole nervous system, and it it makes you slowly bleed to death from the inside. Just like snake venom, you start to bleed on the inside and if you don't stop it, it will destroy you. It immobilizes, it debilitates, it disorientates, it distorts how we see life. All these things happen because the poison of discouragement is much like the poison of a snake, which is why that image is used. Being discouraged is not the result of my problem, but may well be the cause of it. So if we can fix the discouraged bit, we're probably going to fix the problem bit. The potential to become discouraged is an unavoidable reality for all of us, but actually becoming discouraged is not. In other words, you don't have to. You could, but you don't have to. Knowing how to recognise it and what to do about it could save your life along with your hopes and dreams. So here are the things to look for. Number one, what you think in your heart. What are you thinking in here? about what's going on out here. Number two, where you focus your attention. What are you looking at? Because that's gonna be critical to your state of courage or discouragement. And the third one, your desire to be free of the cause rather than just the symptoms. One of the things that's interesting about um, the narrative in the Bible, particularly in, in the Old Testament part of the Bible, is, is um, this subject of heroism, of, um, of people who shouldn't have the courage to do what they do, finding the courage to do what they do. And uh, in so doing, the first thing they change is their life. But then in changing their lives, they change the lives of others. And, uh, you know, I think of stories like the, probably some of the more popular ones, like the story of, uh, of David, who was a young shepherd boy, who, um, you know, the, the whole nation were intimidated by the giant Goliath. Uh, and David was the only one to find courage to, um, to face up to the giant. But it changed his life, and it changed the life of everybody else. And... Um, uh, what's interesting in that is, is um, when, when David had done the deed of killing the giant, Goliath, and uh, the king Saul is wanting to introduce him, uh, he says to David, basically, my words a little bit, you can, but you can find this in the, in the text in Samuel, he says, he says, basically, tell them who you are. And his answer was, I used to keep sheep. Now, as far as reality was concerned, he'd just come from keeping his father's sheep. And as far as anybody could guess, he was going back to keep his father's sheep. But as courage rose in his heart, something changed, and now there was a use to in his life. Now, in reality, he was still David the shepherd boy, but he was going to become David the great king and the greatest king in Israel's history. But he already before that, because of one act of courage, was started to talk what it used to be. I used to keep sheep. Part of what I want you to grasp tonight is to be able to introduce into your language, I used to. I used to be insecure. I used to be afraid. I used to be intimidated. 
I used to think I couldn't make it. I used to think I wasn't love. I used to think. When you catch that, you've caught the spirit of courage. And the truth is you're not being asked to use anything that's not available to you. That's why I love the narrative of some of the Old Testament stories, not because I'm arguing, are they true, are they not true, are they real, are they not real, are they myth, are they, that, are they legend? Because the issue is what they convey is powerful and David took on the giant, if the story is true, with his sling that he was familiar with and some stones from a Brooke. He didn't go fighting giants by getting taller than he was, stronger than he was, and by using weapons he couldn't use. Actually, everything that he required was at his disposal, was already in his life. And as he took the time to say, the only thing that was needed was the courage. Once the courage rose up, he was able to do this exploit. Now, was God involved in that? I think so, but I think God's involved in everything. Because I think all good gifts around us come from the Father of light in whom is no shadow of turning. So you got as much God in you as David had in him. You're as big as you need to be and you have all that you need to have in order to walk out of here tonight saying, I used to, and something to be different. Now, of course, this story that we related to is, has some similar elements of that in that the solution for these people getting bitten by the snakes, which was the picture manifestation of what happens when discouragement catches hold of us and we become struck by the venom of being discouraged. It says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I want you to make a, a bronze serpent and I want you to put it on a pole and I want you to put the bronze serpent on the pole in the middle of the community and whoever looks at the bronze serpent will live. Now again, because we have mixed communities, some of you have been around for ages, wonder why I even mentioned if it was true. But there are lots of people in here who think, I don't know if it is true, and I'm okay with that because the point is, it was saying you have to look to something other than what's going on with you, what's destroying you. If you can't get your eyes off what's killing you, you'll die. But if you get your eyes off what's killing you onto the right thing, you lift your sight to something else other than your circumstances, the chances are you will live. And so dear old John, who's probably my favourite of all the New Testament characters, because I love what he wrote, I love his reflections, I think sharp guy. And um, John wrote these words, he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up, so that whoever looks to him, they will find the same life. Or in other words, what happens when we get a revelation of what God has done for us in our world, particularly in the form of Jesus, the Word made flesh, it says the same thing will happen to you as happened to those people who looked at the serpent. Because the point is when you get your eyes off your situation and look to that which has been said is a solution, the, the, the chances are the solution will change your situation. So... So um, the objective was the recovering of your courage so that you can go on. Now remember what we said, courage is crucial to being a productive human being. And, and um, so here's the three things going from what we said before. You've got a desire to be free of the cause, not just the symptoms. You know, if all you want tonight is, oh, I just don't like the symptoms of my life. I, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I really can't. 
um, you know, can, can soothe you and show you some compassion. But if you sincerely and genuinely want to deal with, be free of the cause, not just the symptoms, we can help you. Because you see, the cause of your being discouraged is the lack of courage. If you recognize that and want to be free, we can help you. The second thing, oppose what you currently think in your heart. Because if a man, if, if what a man thinks in his heart, so he is, and your heart's telling you you're rubbish, you're failing, you're not loved, God's given up on you, there's no hope for the future, you have to first take the courage to oppose what your heart is currently thinking so that your heart then can be shocked into thinking something else, that I am loved, I am accepted, I am forgiven, I am whole, I am righteous, I am able. That's why this guy called Paul said one thing, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to be there tonight. And the third thing, you've got to change the focus of your attention. If there's one of these three things that I would say is the one that strikes us more significantly than any of the others, and the one that we don't like to do, it's the change, the focus of our attention. We become focused on our situation, our problems, our challenges, our issues. We can fixated on the giants that are destroying us. And all it does is intimidate us more and more and more and more. You've got to change the focus of your attention. You've got to change it to what God says about you, who he is with you and who he is for you. And when you begin to change that focus, first of all, some healing will start to come to you and then the thinking of your heart will start to change and then you'll get free of the cause and when you get free of the cause of course you get free of the symptoms because the cause is dealt with I love that thing that um, we put up that slide this is great listen to this ships don't sink because of the water around them but because of the water that gets in them you are designed to float you will not sink because of the waters of life that are around you. You will only sink from the waters that get in you, the waters of life that get in you. You were built to float. You were built to fly. You were built to have courage. You were built to win. You were built to succeed. You were built to be accepted. You were built to be okay. And religion has spent 2,000 years telling you you're not okay. You weren't built for this. But Jesus says, you're okay. You were built for this. In, in the romanticizing of the wonderful Christmas story, there's one character that's not always given his rightful dues, and that's dear old Joseph. Because you could say basically he had nothing to do with it. So, um, But what he did have to do with it was amazing because we're posed with the scenario of this young guy or slightly older guy than potentially Mary, who now comes and says, I'm pregnant and God did it. You know, and, I mean, I, I grew up not turning a hair at that, you know, like, oh, hallelujah. You know, and then I got a bit more streetwise and you think, what the flip is, you know, dear old Joseph there, he's, I got pregnant, God did it. And uh, there's a wonderful, wonderful way it's been put in the message version of the Bible. It says, Joseph, chagrined but noble, decided not to put his wife away. <laughs> now, I don't think it was like put her away in the cupboard or, you know, she... He decided he wouldn't call off the marriage. And you say, what does chagrined mean? Chagrined mean when you are completely ticked off 
to the fullest extent that you can possibly beat it and you are utterly confused that you make a decision higher than your confusion. You have to make a decision tonight that's higher than your confusion. I don't know why what's happening to you is happening to you because I don't know why what's happening to me is happening to me. But the solution is not knowing why. The solution is being chagrined but noble. It's all right to be ticked and say, I don't like what life has served up for me. However, I have made choices higher than my confusion. And so this guy facilitated, because of that choice, the pathway that allowed the one who we know as the light and the life to emerge onto the scene and, and change the lives of people as far in the future as us today, and if the world's still around for as long, as far in the future as that. You can be chagrined tonight, but you can be noble. And that's where we want you to be, and that's the courage that needs to come. One last little story. Uh, some accredit this to Sir Edmund Hillary, others accredit it to uh, Sir George Mallory, who was a New Zealander. Uh, I've heard it preached many times, but don't believe preachers' stories because what we do is we take the basic element and then we make it work for what it is we wish to communicate. So I have no idea who's telling the truth about who said this. Uh, we do think it was said. I'll give you 80, 20 on that. But I don't really care because it's wonderful. So the story goes that I mean, I heard it as from as George Mallory, who didn't manage, well, he did manage to conquer Everest, we believe, but they found him dead in 1999. His body was frozen on Mount Everest. So we think he probably made it to the top, but didn't make it down. And the story goes that, that he was giving, uh, speaking at a dinner in London, and behind him at the dinner table was a, was a, um, uh, a picture of Mount Everest. Now, I don't think there's probably three-tenths of truth in that building up of the story, but you know what evangelists are like, and it's wonderful anyway. But he got up and spoke, and he said to them, look, he said, here's the thing. He said, I have, I have sought to get to where I need to go. And the story says that he turned and looked at the mountain and said, Mount Everest, I came against you once and I failed. I came against you twice and I failed. I came against you three times and I failed. But one day, I will come against you and I will not fail because you can't get any bigger, but I can. The good news is tonight, you may not realise it, but your mountain can't get any bigger. But the truth is, you can. That's the good news of the gospel that says you can become that bigger person. And I want you to receive that. So will you be willing to be healed of the source and not the symptoms? Will you be willing to let your heart think something different? Will you be willing to change the focus of your attention and say, God, I need your help through Jesus today and I know that if you help me, my courage will rise and I will fly like an eagle. I want to pray for you. Right, Father, tonight, I pray that as we go from this place, we'll go with the idea that whatever that mountain was, it can't get any bigger, but we can and to understand that we are the people who can say, I used to, but now it's different. I release that, Father, pray every heart will grasp it, and that every one of us will rise up in this place with courage, because people who have courage can never be discouraged.